We haven't seen or heard from this man for a while. Daniel Carrington, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be back. What have you got for us your first week back? It's going to be big, I know. Okay, so something that's happened during our COVID lockdown mm. is that an unprecedented unprecedented number of pets have been bought, whether they've been rescued from rescue organisations or puppies being born. So what I wanted to talk about now is as we go back to our normal life and go back to work, what can we do to help this transition from us being full-time home, (laughs) doggy daycarers, to um, them being left alone? Well, this is good. It's something we've been focusing on over the last few weeks uh, with the vets as well. We've been talking about this subject, but there's still a lot of people out there going, I'm not 100% sure on what I can do. So I think the more advice, the better in this situation. So we'll chat about that. Now, a wonderful thing to come out of COVID and people being at home was the fact that a lot of families and and single people or what's of walks of life went I need an investment in in some company so I'm going to get a dog or a cat or a puppy but the hard thing is Daniel that all of a sudden we've all gone back and these animals are at home going hang on I thought I was part of the pack like I was with you every day and now I'm on my own that's right I learned to you know touch type and now you're gone (laughs) exactly (laughs) so you thought you'd bring on our expert Julie Tolliday welcome to the show Julie it's always a pleasure to have you on Daniel I know you've got some uh, really important questions for Julie today so Julie in in hindsight with that information in mind as we discussed your behavioural expert knowledge. So what if someone did pick up a puppy or a dog, an adult dog from a pound and rescue it, and now they've had at home for, you know, been together with the dog for the past two months, three months, and now they're going back to work. Like, what's the best way to transition and and move on and so that the dog doesn't get separation anxiety and become a nuisance to other neighbours in the area? Well, exactly right. And I've got a number of people approaching me and needing some help with this. Look, in a nutshell, I say to people, whether it was COVID or whether it's just when you first get your dog, and look, I know some people who take a couple of weeks off work to be with their new dog when they Mm. come home, but I say, I describe it in colours. I say, it's most, the dogs that have separation issues only know black and white. White is the period of time when the owners are home, the dogs are with them, they're hanging out together, everybody's happy everybody's calm the dogs become velcro dogs so Mm. they're stuck to their legs they help the owners go to the toilet they help them have a shower they help them put (laughs) the washing on the line they're there all the time and look i am going to throw this in because it is one of my bugbears often they sleep together (laughs) so it's (laughs) It's cold (laughs) it's it's just a hundred percent i'm with you and then black comes Mm. and black is the owners go to work and the dog is in this state that they don't understand at all. So, you know, you can see the recipe for panic. I say to people, we need to create grey. And what grey looks like is that I'm at home, but you're out in the backyard having a little play mm. and learning that it's okay to be out there. Um, I'm at home, but you're actually in another area of the house and I've got a baby gate across there. Now... Um, they're not going to immediately go into grey and go, oh, I get it. We're going to have to teach them how good grey is. So grey, on my own but you're at home, can look like this. First of all, I say to people, just do something simple, like always feed them outside. Mm. So that outside is a place where good stuff happens. Uh, Go and part of their feeding, make it that you, you 
scatter some of their um, dry food or treats through the grass. Hmm. So that they go, oh, I love this place. I keep finding good stuff. <laughs> yes, little treasures. Yeah. Another, another little good babysitting thing is the good old-fashioned Kong, the one that's the original classic Kong that looks a bit like a cartoon beehive. Yeah. The most professional way that you can use your Kong is to stuff that with, I say, a meal, like good quality stuff, like, you know, good quality raw fresh food. Mm -hmm. I'm always telling people stuff, you know, half defrost that, stuff it into the Kong, refreeze it and put that out in the yard because the dog's got to lie down, be quiet, be calm. It actually releases good hormones while they're having this big lick fest. And they're happy and they have a happy time outside. I say to people, practice it when you're at home first. So the dogs go, oh, look, this is part of my routine um, that I do this outside. Julie, Cheryl Uh, was mentioning a mat as well, like a puppy or dog mat that you can get similar to baby mats that have lots of stimulus on it and squeaks and that sort of thing. You can be cautious that the dog that very exuberant dogs might not be able to pull off little bits and bobs. Those mats. Yep. Uh, yes, uh, toys that are sturdy and um, and deliver troy, toys uh, bleh, treats in a tricky way. There's a Kong wobbler. It, it's a good one because it, it, the the dog's got to work hard at it to tip it far enough that some treats will come out. There's another one that you can call great for separation. It's called Home Alone, and it's it's a hanging rope that's got a treat ball on it, and the dog has to pull a rope at the bottom to make it swing a bit to release stuff um, so that that can be a good one as well. Julie, um, I guess the, the important thing, what you've mentioned, is the transition needs to happen yes. while you're still home. A hundred percent. And we can't go backwards to these people who've had their two months and now they've gone back to work. Mm. So they're just going to have to work on it when they're at home. Create that grey area when you come home from work so that they can't be stuck to your leg all the time. And this 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 um, method works for puppies and for adult dogs? Is it for all of them? Yes. yes. Look, I'm gonna, if I've got enough time, I will quickly describe something else to you. So yep. sometimes what I get for people with dogs with really bad separation is that I say to them, okay, when you're quiet in the lounge room at night, tether the dog just a little bit out of your reach. So you're still there and they can relax, give them their mask, tether them, you sit there, look, you can sit there and watch the telly and have a glass of wine and, and don't tell the dog anything. I don't want the dog to be distressed, but I don't want the dog to realise, hey, nothing's happening. Like, they look like they're half asleep on the lounge. I may as well lie down on my mat. And then reinforce them for lying down on their mats and being calm a little bit away from you. Mm. And then when you can see that they've got the idea, okay, I'm safe, I'm tethered here, then what you start to do is you, you stand up and you... You go two steps away from your lounge and then you go back and sit down. Yeah, yeah. And nothing happens. A a lot of the thing we're talking about is to transition slowly. Um, yep. over a period of time. So exactly. don't just go leave them out in the yard That's for right. hours at a time. You've Even, got to, little yeah. intervals. You mm. can't. They've got to know that pleasant things happen there. Yeah. They've got to know that they're going to get a bit of compensation being out there. And, yeah, the best time to do it is when you're at home. I, I, I just love calling that the grey time yeah. where they're not quite with you. And you also get to monitor how well they could be um, 
satisfied on their own. That little inside tethering one, if the dog's really, really can't cope with you going one step, what you can do is have a Kong and put a little bit of cheese spread in it. Mm. And you stand up, you drop the Kong on the mat, you go a couple of steps away, then you come back, you pick up the Kong and you sit down again. So it's like you can have the Kong or you can have me. Thank you. Thank you, Julie, for that. Like, um, I think that's really valid information. It's another viewpoint from a, a dog behavioralist as well as what we can do. I know we've been covering the topic a bit. I like that. I like the, the way Julie puts it in the, the black or white and the grey. And I think a lot of us can relate even for our own partners. It's time for, for grey. I mean, I love Sean, but we need a bit of grey. We need a bit of grey. I don't know how you feel it. about Jim, but it's, you know, so we all, we all need that. Time away. That's we right. Do, we do. Knowing that you're nearby, but not too close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so look, I think it's great that all these pups and all these dogs have found some some new homes, great homes. We just don't want to be putting them back there. Yeah. So some, some methods in terms of working out how they fit into our family going forward, I think is great. Some really good advice there. We always appreciate it. Thank you, Julie. Daniel Carrington has left and welcome Dr. David Tapperish. Welcome, Sarah. Hello. Hello. You know what? We've got a question for you right now. I get Do I get any time to settle in? No, you're here now. You're on the clock. You're on duty. (laughs) David in Weston, you've got a question. Uh, Not a question, Sarah. I just wanted to add to what that lady was saying. Uh, Our little girl's two years old. She's a Kelpie Collie Labrador Blue Heel across, very active. Mm. And um, we um, are often, we're retired, but we're often away for most of the day. And she used to bark and bark and bark and bark. And um, I, my daughter gave me a, a terrific tip, um, and that is don't just ignore them when you're going out mm. and don't make any fuss of them when you come back until they calm down. Yep. And then you, then you acknowledge them and pat them. And it took us less than a week, and she is perfect. Never barks at all. Wow. Barks That's... once or twice as the car goes out the driveway yep. and never barks again. And our neighbours uh, uh, keep an eye on her, and uh, they reaffirm that that's the case. They, they would be very happy as well. But also because you're reducing the anxiety for her, uh, you're, you're kind of um, just making things a little bit more normalised through the whole process. So well done. That's re- that's really good. Really good. Great mm. feedback. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, David. That's where yeah. I go wrong. When I come through the door, oh. there's like a fanfare. I've got my own song for Gizzy. We jump around. And and what about the family? They just oh, well, ignore you. If Max and Molly are around, they might get a hello as well. Oh, okay. But it's more about Giz. But Giz, yeah. 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 They're just so much more but welcoming. Do- dogs, <laughs> dogs uh, you know, there's a quote from Ricky Gervais and he says, be the person your dog thinks you are. Oh, that's a really good quote because yeah, they dogs, just adore just, you. I know, I know. Oh, they worship us, don't they? Love we them. love them. We love them. Petcha, we've got Dr. David Tabret here to answer your questions. So let's go back to the phones now because I know there's lots of questions coming through. Kelly in East Brankston, how can we help you? Um, hi, I have a multi-shitsu that's probably a little bit older than 12 months old and he likes to mark his territory. In the house. Okay. How long have you had your little one for? Got him about six weeks. Okay. And so has that, was she going outside and then now doing it inside? Has it always been inside and or both? It's always, it's always, always. been inside. See, so the problem that I had was that I got him at six weeks and then I had to go to work every day. So I never really yes. 
And and because he's only a little puppy, well, he was a little puppy, but he's turned into a giant multi. But um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't but, know that there's many giant Maltesers, but there you go. Um, I think, well, I think, he's not a giant, but yeah. he's a mix. Uh, he's a bit bigger than what I expected him to be. Fair enough. Um, well, I think you kind of answered the question, although we will be able to retrieve this, but it's certainly important when you first get them that we set up these habits right from the start and, yeah. it, and it does take a little bit of work. That doesn't mean that you have to you know, quit your job or anything, um, but it does take a little bit of work. So you can still retrieve this scenario. There's a couple, yep. couple of ways to go. So the first thing is um, let's give, give him plenty of opportunity to go outside so first, first thing in the morning, last thing at night, after every meal, make sure he's out on the grass um, because that's the time that the, there's, a, there's a reflex in the body that stimulates them to go to the toilet after they've eaten and certainly, you know, first thing when they get up. Um, yep. And then the other thing is spaces inside the house. Now, is there one particular area or is it just anywhere or all did. over? Oh, no, he likes to mark the lounge and he likes to mark the tables. Yeah, other, the table legs. Oh, okay. So is he cocking his leg? Yes. Uh, okay. All right. So the reason I ask that is that some of that now becomes, it's not just like habit and, you know, I, I'll, I'm just going wherever, but it's also a little bit about uh, marking that territory and just saying, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. Now, yeah. is he desexed? I just got him desex not long ago, hoping that that would settle that all down. It, and it sort of has, yes. it has, but, but not completely stopped it. It will, but it'll take a little bit of what time. So how long ago was he desexed? About four weeks ago. Yeah, probably give it about another two months to see the full impact of that because the, the hormones associated, uh, the testosterone leaves his body uh, and reduces over that period of time over the next two months. Um, oh, okay. yep. but, at, but at the same time, we want to establish new habits. So what we want to do is make sure he has plenty of opportunity. Don't scold him or, or rouse on him um, if, he, if you find that he has messed in the house. Um, just make sure you pick him up and get him outside as quick as possible, even if he's in the middle of it. Yep. And then the other thing is that if there's an area that he can, where he sleeps at night that you can put down newspaper... And well, we've got the puppy, you know, the puppy training pads? Yes. Well, we have them put down, but I don't know that, like, the other two dogs that sleep in the house use them, but that, he just suffers. Oh, okay, so you've got more than one dog. This is yeah. this is starting to is get more... Is he marking com- territory? It's starting to get more complicated. Well, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> they are girls, they are girls, so, you know... Doesn't matter, because they're marking inside the house, and, and even though it's on the puppy pads... Um, it does start, to, it changes the dynamic a bit. Um, yeah. I would still use the same approach, but getting, if you limit him to a small area at night and cover yeah. the floor with newspaper or puppy pads, yeah. and then you gradually shrink the the, the amount of floor cover so that, yeah. um, and then eventually, like they should be able to hold it in overnight. That's the thing. So um, as long as the uh, the other dogs aren't, you know, Geriatric and have kidney disease or diabetes or things like that. Well, well, okay. I've got a, I've got a blue hair, like a stumpy tail cattle dog. He's going blind, right? And, um, 
and yeah. um, there's yeah, lots of things going this, on there. This, I, and I think this is this highlights one of the things is that it's multifactorial. So it's not just taking one dog at one age. It is also that dynamic between them. And I, I would probably suggest, uh, Kelly, to have a chat to your vet about this scenario. They might want to put you in contact with a dog trainer. Sometimes we even use medication for this sort of thing. But as we discussed, there are a number of ways that we can approach it. Hopefully, though, you will see some changes. Certainly dogs of all ages would respond to training. But uh, we go back to the original problem, which is it takes a bit of time and effort to get there. I just loved your face every time I know. Uh, Kelly spoke and threw in another dimension. You're like, oh, hang on, hang uh, on. <laughs> this changes things again. Oh, good luck, I'm Kelly. I'm going great. <laughs> you are. That was a stressful <laughs> one. Yes, I nearly missed uh, the end of that song because, Dr. Oh. David Tabret, you're showing me – you – oh, my goodness. Now, you've been – is this Twitter that you're on? Uh, Instagram. Instagram. Now, you're following Big – Big Popper. Big Popper. And Big Popper is? He's a bulldog. <laughs> he lives in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And is it just adventures of Big Pop- Popper? Yes, yes. He's, <sighs> he, eats, he eats French fries on a Friday. Oh, oh, my God. I love that he's eating French fries and you're the vet watching this. I love the fact that I know it. <laughs> you were having withdrawals. because chases squirrels. Yeah, we all know that you love bulldogs well, that's and right. you and lost that, your baby. Yeah, she, she passed away on New Year's Eve. Oh, so this is your fix at the moment. We're just taking a 12-month break. <laughs> and getting invested on Instagram with on Big Instagram. Popper. We're going to go to Atlanta and kidnap Big Popper. Oh, my god! Just waiting for COVID to settle down. You're so funny. <laughs> uh, it just shows that you are an animal lover in mm. all aspects of your life. You're even following them on uh, Instagram. Don't trust people who don't like dogs. Oh, I agree. You know, during COVID, one thing the kids and I did, we got a little bit obsessed with TikTok because there's – and we would only follow oh, the animals right. on there. The people, in my opinion, are a little bit arrogant on TikTok. <laughs> uh, but the animals are great. So we would watch the animals and there was a few little staffies that were just so hilarious. They, You know, it looks like they're talking and all the rest of it. So I have a theory. I think anyone, anyone or anything can be cute on TikTok. Well, if it's Is an that, animal. Well, okay. Maybe I've gone too far. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Maybe rewatch that because some of the humans, I'm like, really? Anyway, right. just my thoughts. Peter from Fern Bay, you've got a rescue cat uh, and it's a little bit timid around males. Yeah, yes, David. It's, um, it, it's quite good with my, uh, with my wife. You know, we've only had him a month or so. Yes. Um, he's, all, uh, he's only six months old and he's de-sexed and all those and he's toilet trained, he's... You know, he'll sit with you. If you're sitting down on a lounge, he'll come and jump up. But the minute you sort of raise your hand or move too fast, he's just gone. He disappears to another room. But um, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, said he doesn't do that with my wife, but that's only with me. So I'm just thinking the previous person might not have been as, as good to him as he should have been. Perhaps. Uh, and cer- certainly the, the kind of... Um, so cats and dogs go through this early socialisation period. Um, and it's really from around about that four to six weeks it really starts to kick up. They will um, be basically they're they're laying down new uh, neural pathways in their brain and learning the survival tactics, learning the habits, and so on. And that kind of develops over the next twelve months. But certainly some of those early experiences can be. Uh, fundamental to how they might behave. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's just a male thing or so on. And it could actually just be a normal 
reaction in the context of, you know, if your hand goes up, I'll move out and take off. Cats have, uh, we have to remember, uh, uh, you know, they're pretty agile, they're pretty astute, they've, they've pretty, um, I was going to say skittish, not all cats, obviously, but certainly at that age, you know, a young cat at that age, I think, is going to react. But that's not a permanent thing. So I was saying that they start this socialisation period and they're learning patterns of behaviour. We can teach them, but they're also just really, even without kind of doing any lessons or anything, and the way that you can actually get a change in behaviour and the way that I would suggest that you try and address that is if you're the one feeding the cat, um, you'll probably find that he'll warm to you a lot better over time. However... (laughs) Some cats. There's a caveat to this. Some cats, they just take a dislike to you, and that's it. They, there's just nothing. <laughs> there's nothing you can do. Um, and I think, uh, but if you're feeding them, that usually is the thing that'll get them a little bit closer to you over time. So you never know. Six months of age, house trained, desexed. I mean, well cared for. Um, yeah, I think that might. We might see something different over the next few months. It certainly resonates when you just said, you know, some cats will just not like you and that's it. And I I just find in my life dogs seem to like me. Cats don't. Well, cats have a reason. You just don't know it yet. Well, they just they don't seem very friendly, and I get a bit nervous because of that. And they pick up on it. Yeah, right? they're, they're very in tune like, with your body dogs, language. Fine, you know, mm-hmm. but cats, yeah, just a bit harder. Bit harder. Bit harder. All right, let's go to Stephen now in Woodville. You've got a comment about a young pup. Yes, I I heard, I was listening a bit earlier and heard the lady talking about getting her Maltese puppy at six weeks of age. Yes. Okay, so we we actually breed Jack Russells, and it's always been our belief that a pup really should stay with its mother until it's eight weeks old for socialisation purposes and just a general run of the mill getting the pup to learn what needs to learn before it goes away from mum. Yeah, there's there's been, I think, um, uh, over, well, certainly my experience, life experience in veterinary practice for the last 30 years, this kind of time when we say to people, you know, they should go away from the litter and so on, has has shifted over this, this period. Um, and, you know, for a lot of animals, it was when they were much younger and then I think, you know, some people were even saying, oh, they should stay with the mother till they're 10 weeks of age and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, and I think you're probably splitting the difference and saying eight weeks seems reasonable, and that's that's not a bad idea. The other thing, apart from the socialisation, is, um, you know, making sure they're healthy, they've, yeah. they've responded to their vaccination schedule because... Some pu- some pups, if they get vaccinated, like if you're the breeder and you you say, okay, they're going to get vaccinated, they they're still going to need a third vaccination after that six to eight weeks. But oh. I, but if I you know sell or I hand on that pet, I don't know that they're actually going to get that vaccine. Yeah, and so yeah. they they could also be susceptible to disease. And because people go, oh yeah, they've had two vaccines, you know that surely that's enough. Um, but we do know that they need that third one. And I think there's – so there's a couple of reasons, and I think you're on the right track there, Stephen, that, um, you know, as we as we found discussing with um, Kelly, that the, if you've got a young dog like that, you, you have to have the time to be able to get them back on track. And That's so, right. yeah, maybe, maybe that extra two weeks makes a difference. Sometimes well, it does. Yeah. 
Well, we we we, try, we um we get the vaccine microchip to six weeks. Yes. We know that they can't go anywhere at least for ten days after that. So that's seven weeks and three days. Yeah. And we yeah. we toilet train and socialise. So when people get pups from us, they're already on the way to knowing that we don't just wee anywhere or poo anywhere. We actually go outside. We say to the new people, you need to give them a routine when they get home. Show them where they can go. Yeah. And 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 don't. You know, shout them to go to the wrong place. But just, as you said earlier, take them to the right place and praise them at the right place. There you go. And I think you've got to set people up for success. So well done. Good on you, Stephen. Thank you. Deborah is in Cave Speech, and she's got a question about her 12-year-old dog that started licking their paws. Hi. Hi, Deborah. Hi. Yeah, he's he's been doing it for about 12 months. Yes. And what sort, yeah. of, what sort of dog have you got? He's a cross Maltese. <laughs> I was going to say he's a Maltese. <laughs> our favourite breed. Yeah. So there's a number of things that we see with dogs that where they're licking their paws. They generally fall into two groups of problems. One yep. is one is um, uh, behavioural. So some dogs will do it because it's a calming thing, and mm-hmm. you know they'll just sit there and the world's pretty scary. But if I just sit here and lick my paws, I, I I'm kind of calming myself down. Um, the And in that way, you kind of think, okay, how do we address the anxiety and so on? But um, the licking of the pores puts a lot of saliva on the paw and they can actually get uh, skin infections as a result of the licking. Yeah. Um, the other group of problems that we see is that they've got allergies and their feet are itchy and so they start licking them. And those ones... Um, pretty common particularly i guess both of those problems are common in this breed um Mm. generally the allergies tend to occur in younger dogs so we would see them come up in you know two to three years of age it's not not unheard of though so um in either case you can end up with these skin infections which often are a yeast infection so they start to smell and particularly the maltese their their paws will go reddish color where, mm-hmm. they're, where they're licking, you know, if they've the got little pads. white white feet, um, yeah. they'll start to oh, go red. Do you mean the, the fur? Yeah. yeah. It's around the foot, yeah, yes. the top of the foot so and the f- around. Yeah. yeah, so the fur goes red and the reason for that is that there's um, iron in their saliva and when it's exposed to oxygen it turns into rust yep. on their skin. That's and, what happens. But they can also go all the way down to the skin and start to damage the skin. As well. Yeah. So that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. Look, there's a number of ways that you approach it. Depends whether it's behavioural, depends whether it's allergies. Um, and I think that's where I would be talking with your vet because if there is an allergic component, we need to treat that. Obviously, if there's behavioural, we need to treat the anxiety. In either case, a good way to kind of um, help keep the skin healthy is to use a medicated shampoo like an aloe vera based. Um, that would actually help to reduce the... You can also get um, antifungal shampoos that will reduce the yeast on the skin. And in Mm -hmm. some cases, with dogs that are just really incessantly chewing, I've actually put cotton socks on their paws. Yes. Oh, okay. You know, until at least maybe we're treating anxiety, maybe we're treating allergies, and so until the other medication can work, we just need to break the cycle. Okay. Um, so yep. I think you, you're probably going to have to chat to the vet about this because it goes either way. 
So. Yeah, yeah. All right. I was just worried because I had a Maltese a while ago, um, yeah. and it, it it got that bad that it was all red and you know oh, all the yes. fur was licked off the yeah. feet and. Look, they can yeah. even they can even get to the point where I've seen them where they'll actually chew through the skin. Oh, jeez. Yeah, there is a there is a third problem, but sometimes it happens as a result of the licking. Is they actually uh, stimulate a itch reaction in the nerves, right? And it's kind of like they itch, and so they chew it, and then that soothes the itch, and but then it stimulates more. Oh. And they just keep going. I, I can feel um, Deborah's pain because Gizzy, being an older dog at fourteen, his his licking has really ramped up in the last, I reckon, four months, mm. and it seems to be more at night. So I think it's because he's getting older; his faculties are going a little bit, and I think it's a bit of anxiety. Could be, could be. We also we do see seasonal changes with mm. grasses and things like that. So just be alert for oh, the will. allergies. And they lick every. He's licking us if he's on us. He's constantly licking us. And then if he's not on us, he's licking his paws. Oh, yeah. mm. A lot of that could be behaviour. Oh, the other thing yeah. I forgot to mention for Deborah is yeah, she's still just, here. just simply yep. wipe, wipe the feet down with a damp cloth after he's been outside. Because uh-huh. if, it, if it's related to grasses and pollens and things like that, just the fact that it's on his skin can trigger that. Um, mm-hmm. But some of these allergies also come through their respiratory system, so they breathe them in and then their feet get itchy. Oh. Right. Okay. okay. So it could yep. be contact allergy. It could be atopy, which is where it comes through the skin. And as we said, there could be a behavioural component. Either way, yeah. you're probably going to need an antifungal shampoo. I was uh, going to say, if I wash his feet, just, even if I can't wash his whole body, but just wash his feet yeah, often. that's right. That's what, that's, yeah. yeah. And a lot of people just find, okay, I'll just wipe their feet because, you know, it's a bit of a palaver to wash and dry them. And you have to dry them oh, yeah, quite yeah. well you, too, you don't you? you? Yeah, you can't, can't leave Can't have the moisture. moisture. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, oh, all right. with it all, Deb. No worries. Thanks, Deb. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I tell you, they get they get a worry when they get older. Our, our pups and our, you know, cats and our pets. Well, you know, we, we're looking after them better when they're younger. And so they're living longer. Yes. And so we're facing up to some of these things where it's obviously not uncommon to see dogs and cats living 15 years plus. Yeah. That's why we say they're a lifetime commitment. Make sure you look after them. Right. Don't just get them and then shuffle them off when they're older. Yeah. I know Danny was saying earlier today that, um, you know, with the lockdown, people getting pets. Yes. And uh, I do know a lot of the shelters are worried about Return so keep up the work at home. Absolutely. Guess what? That's it for Pet Chat. It's flown. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well being, pet care, finance, business, and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>